Only in Dallas would a small church have 200 people, so it's a pretty good crowd here today. But uh, I'm excited to spend about 25 minutes trying to convince you about something that I'm really excited about before we take communion together and enjoy the rest of our day. Okay, so I have an important statistic for us to remember today. You ready? First slide. This is a deep one. Ready for a deep one? All right, next slide. Ooh, ominous. One out of one people die. You got that? Someday you and I are going to be room temperature. And a bunch of people are going to gather in a cemetery building somewhere and have a service in our honor. And they're going to drive over to someone's house and eat potato salad. And they will hopefully share some memories about us. They probably won't discuss the type of car we drive or the size of our house. What they'll probably talk about is the one thing that really matters, the relationships they have with us and the special times and conversations we share. Amen? Amen. This next image is much more scary. Let's go to the next one. Okay, that's me. When I was a senior in high school, I was well on my way to throwing my life away. I grew up in a family that did not read the Bible or know how to have deep relationships with each other. My dad was a workaholic and later became a drug addict. Before the age of 18, I could only remember two conversations I had with my father. One was him asking me if I liked girls. I told him yes. And the second was him telling me that he was going to divorce my mom. Without the love and attention I so craved, I became desperately insecure and I began looking for love and attention in all the wrong places. As a young teenager, I was very awkward and uncoordinated, so I was bullied quite a bit. In the seventh grade, I decided to fight back, and the next few years, I had more than a dozen fist fights and more than eight times that ended up with broken bones, either me or the other person. I later landed in a circle of friends that were older than me and that objectified women very badly. And I learned from them how to have impure and immoral relationships with women. Uh, later, in high school, I became, later in high school, I became a more successful student and athlete, but I added white-collar crime to my list of deviant behaviors. I, uh, I was working and I created an elaborate system to steal tens of thousands of dollars from the retail store I worked at. And the morning that this picture was taken, this actual picture, I was interrogated and I almost went to prison. Yet here I am today. I'm not a workaholic. I'm no longer a violent person. I'm not a drug addict. I'm not incarcerated. I've been married for 20 years after having a pure dating relationship. And I'm living a successful and meaningful life that is full of deep and sincere relationships. So how do I get off the path that I was on? How do I avoid the addictions and behaviors that have enslaved my father and several other people in my family? How did I start there and end up here? The answer is this. Intentional relationships with Jesus and other people. 
The title for my little message today is this, Don't Buy the Lie. There's a message being peddled to us today that we can exist, even reach our maximum potential, without engaging the people around us. We have online colleges, we have automated drive-through restaurants, we have mega churches you can visit and join with an app online, we have Amazon and others leaving almost anything we want to purchase at our front door. We can order, use, and pay for an Uber using our phone. We can play electronic games that simulate real life. We can order and watch any kind of media. We can even look for a potential wife or husband by building an online profile. And none of this requires even the nod of a head or a single word being spoken to another human being. This culture of independence, of self-dependence, of ferocious individuality is not just creeping into our church, it's arrived, it's here. And I'm pleading with you today, don't buy the lie. Living a successful life without having intentional relationships is impossible. And we'll see how this is true in the Word of God, in hundreds of research studies that have been conducted, and in our own life experiences. Let's look at some scriptures from the Word of God. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. When we as a church are integrated in relationships and we're unified, God bestows his blessings, even eternal life. And it's really in these relationships where God opens up the floodgates and allows us to see amazing things. In John 1, in the message version, it says, I believe verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. You know, Jesus could have just given us the truth. He could have given us the Bible. But he came in person so he could touch us and see us and move into the neighborhood. And so that's exciting because he was very intentional when he took care of us. In John 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Okay, that's it. Having great friendships is what it's all about. Let's go to the next slide in Romans 12, verse 10. And let's uh, dig a little deeper. It says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? I want a relationship like that. And let's, uh, <clears throat> we don't need to read a lot more scriptures about this because we know about the ministry of Jesus. <clears throat> and our, our whole history as a, as a church, our history as a movement of churches, in fact, our own, our, our own lives, we know, have been built upon the conviction that we need one another. We need one another relationships, including mentoring and discipling and prayer partners, and we need a lot of these relationships. But do we still believe this? Do we still do it? I think the answer is that we do it a lot less than we used to. Are we starting to believe the lie that we can thrive spiritually 
that we can reach our full potential as human beings without actively engaging in deep, intentional relationships with the people around us. You know, we always uh, appreciate it when the scientists in the world spend millions of dollars and prove with evidence, without any doubt, that something is true when they could have just opened the Bible and read it for free, right? But we'll, we'll listen to them for a minute, okay? Harvard University professor Lisa Berkman, she combined data from 148 different studies over many different generations and found that personal weekly interactions outside of your immediate family directly correlate to these amazing things. Longer life expectancy, lower blood pressure, lower risk of diabetes, fewer colds, greater happiness, better sex lives if you're married, I don't know if that was in the study, higher pain tolerance, and a higher net worth. So this is, this is like academics without any religious bias saying this is true. If we're involved in people's lives deeply, God's able to bestow blessings on us. Professor Paul Wilson, University of York. This is interesting because the UK has a universal healthcare system. I'm not going to get into what that means, but there's convincing, convincing evidence that prescribing community referrals leads to positive health outcomes. What I mean is this, is you go to the doctor and you say, I'm anxious, I'm depressed, I'm tired. Before they can give you a prescription for medicine, they give you a prescription to go to a book club. And they make you go once a week for two months and go to a book club and make friends before they'll give you medicine. The British Red Cross visits 9,000 people a week, specifically for this reason, because they're not able to, they're not, they're not mobile, so they go in and they visit them and they have an interaction with them once a week and they measure the, the health outcome of that. The benefit of these weekly personal interactions is equivalent to a person stopping smoking. Because we all know how bad smoking is, they measure it and it's the same. And I like this part. Benefits are even higher if you involve food. Yes. <laughs> they could have just read Acts 2 and known that, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread or pizza or whatever you like, right? So that's good to know, right? So science is, is telling us that being connected to other people on a weekly basis can have dramatic improvements in our life. Okay, this is just science about physical health. But it's true, right? And that uh, we believe that. It's amazing. But are we really convinced? Are we really committed to it? Let's go to the next slide here. Uh, this is a scripture. 2 Corinthians 9. Sometimes it's used for giving. So remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Okay, so the definition of what does it mean to sow something? There's many of them. Here's one. To put something in or to create a, a situation in which something is likely or certain to happen or develop. Okay, so there's a little difference between sowing time, in other words, spending time in an intentional way, and just spending time, right? If we're just spending time, it's like spending money, right? You get your salary, it comes in your bank account, it goes out of your bank account, 
and it's gone forever. All right? Think about your rent payment. Think about your car payment. Think about the pizza you bought. That's gone forever, right? But if we take some of our money and we invest it, it's because we expect it to be there later on, and not just be there, but be better. And so when we take our time, instead of just spending time, we invest our time. Because we believe that through the relationships we're investing in, later on, something's going to come that's even better. Amen? What are some examples of spending time? Watching sports. Amen? Real popular there, huh? Mm. Watching Netflix. Talking about politics. That's purely depressing. Small talk. And I think even uh, being in a group, even if you're in a small group in the church, if it's impersonal and you're not taking time one-on-one, uh, even at the end of a small group, to really talk to people and follow up with what was taught or what you learned. You can spend that time for uh, every week, on and on and on, and you're not going to really develop anything deep or anything that's going to change your future. But if we sow our time, if we intentionally use our time, prayer walks, initiate a new friendship with someone you don't know, thoughtfully prepare for time with someone before you meet them. Uh, go to a book club. Be British. Go to a book club. And, and actually share what you're learning and what inspired you from the book you're reading. And I think really having private one-on-one uh, -on -one times with people. Maybe on the phone if you have a busy schedule. And maybe you meet together at a restaurant, but it's personal. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Spending time is great, and having fun with the group is important, okay? I like to watch sports and Netflix. But we also need to sow to invest in personal, intentional relationships that can grow up and produce a harvest. On the next slide, I'm going to talk about what are some of the things we can reap from intentional relationships. What can you gain from having intentional relationships? These are just some things I thought of. Honesty and transparency. You know, um, being a disciple for 31 years, I've had many opportunities to have people tell me that I need to change. And uh, one of the first things they need to learn to do is be an honest person. And be transparent, open with my life. Uh, we can learn from people how to imitate their strengths. And the kingdom is like a, it's like a, uh, a, a candy store. If you can see it, you can have it. If you find someone with a strength that you like and you appreciate, you can go imitate that person. You can learn why they're, why they're like that. And you can have that strength yourself. That's pretty hot, man. That's, that's amazing. What's amazing about this church is that if you ask them, they'll actually spend time with you. Isn't that cool? Uh, humility, learning to submit to authority, learning to apologize, learning to say thank you. I'm 50 years old and this is my biggest challenge. So uh, no matter how old you are, you know, teens, uh, you're going to continue learning that over and over again. To be humble, to learn to apologize, and learn to say thank you. Uh, you can learn to deny yourself for other people. Because if you build a true friendship and they're suffering, you suffer with them. You learn to love people that are different from you, regardless of your culture. You can learn to have a broader perspective by listening to other people's ideas, and especially if they're different from you. You can come up with new ideas, new solutions for your problems by talking to other people. And we know one of the greatest things about having intentional relationships is that they often lead, when God is involved, to eternal life. And it's so exciting to see people get baptized and to change their life, be born again, 
Uh, because that's the only really eternal thing we're going to do on this planet. So these are just some ideas you probably have your own. You know, when we lived in, um, in Cambodia, we experienced this in a special way. We gathered a team of 17 people and moved away to a faraway province. We had three families living in the same house. We also worked together in a trauma hospital that was only two blocks away. We had to learn to appreciate each other and learn from each other instead of kill each other. And during the first two years, more than 30 people became Christians. And each one of us learned a tremendous amount about ourselves. It wasn't easy two years. We learned a lot about ourselves, about God, and about the incredible blessings that come when brothers and sisters live together in unity, just like it says in Psalm 133. Because many of us spent, um, because many of us here spend so much time at work, the things we reap from having intentional relationships should be reflected in our work lives as well. All the things that make us better human beings, better disciples, better friends, better spouses, should also make us better in our secular careers. We should be better employees. What employer would not want to, to hire a person that has these qualities? Right. You know, I've experienced this in my life, and I can honestly say that I've learned everything I know about being successful by having intentional relationships with people in the kingdom of God. The times I have fallen, failed in my life, can also be attributed to not doing the things I learned and by not having intentional relationships to keep me on track and doing the right thing. Over the past 15 years of my career, the scope of things that I'm responsible for has increased over time, and I am under no illusion that this comes from my own intellect or character. I already told you where I came from, right? You know that. So in my flesh, I'm a very prideful person, and I'm aware that the good things in my life are not for me, but from God. But I also believe that from the direct relationship of God putting people in my life who are willing to have intentional relationships with me. You know, today I'm responsible for five organizations with about 350 employees on three different continents. Uh, three of them are for-profit and two of them are not-for-profit. And those include two hospitals, an academy for children, a nursing school, and a model farm. Um, on the next slide, uh, I'll show you some pictures here. Uh, though my work in these areas, uh, through my work in these areas, I've also been able to meet and share my faith with a variety of people that I would not normally be able to meet. In the past two years, these are some of the people I've been able to meet, share my faith with, and in most cases, even open the Bible with. I don't share this with you to brag. I honestly believe that God has entrusted me with specific experiences and opportunities, and continues to do so, not because I'm anything special, but because he has a good sense of humor. I remember where I came from. And I'll tell you this, the real VIPs in my life are in this room. You know, when we moved here in 2017, my family was a mess. A hot mess. How's that? A hot mess. We were falling apart. We left Florida with our tails dragging. And we got here, and we were so warmly embraced and loved by the Mojicas, um, by the people like the Andersons, and the vets that stepped into our life and said, yeah, you're a bit of a mess here. The Georges actually got it started when they, when they asked us to come and visit. And the Dubonkis have become some of our best friends as well. And I can tell you that without these people, these are the VIPs in our life because of the relationships we have with them. And God's been able to uh, heal us, lift us up, strengthen us, and put us into a great family group 
And uh, that's kind of what we expect God to do, but it took intentional relationships, and it's, it's been a, one of the greatest blessings uh, we can remember in our lives as Christians. Before we wrap up and take communion together, I want to share a few final, final thoughts with you. Let's go to the next slide. Um, what does it look like to have intentional relationships? It's a relationship that happens for a specific reason, to sow something good into existence. This might be two disciples connecting on a weekly basis and sharing their hearts with each other. I love having lunch with someone one time, but I need people in my life every week because I have challenges every week and so do they. I do not know how to be someone's friend once a month. If you don't have someone you connect with privately and weekly and share your heart with, I encourage you to consider doing this. Not because you feel like it, because it will glorify God. An intentional relationship can also be a one-time lunch or dinner with someone from church or someone outside church. Anna and I love getting together with new people at least once per week. In just the past week, um, we have initiated and spent time together with about eight different couples. We, have a, we were blessed to have a flexible schedule, but we also just love it. Uh, we flew this last three days to San Diego to go to the Hope Conference just to meet with about six different couples. We've also had inspiring times in the last two weeks uh, with Stan and Veronica, who are not here, with Will and Addie, with Chet and Marvy, with William and Diana, with Arson and Giselle, with David Cole, and several others from our neighborhood. We love it. Some questions to ask ourselves as we're, as we're, as we're wrapping this up. Who in this world knows our victories and struggles outside of our physical family on a week-to-week -week basis? Who else in this room can tell you what your victories and struggles are if I ask them from this week? How many times per week do I carve out time in my schedule and then go and find someone to have an intentional conversation or an intentional relationship with? It takes planning. You gotta really cut out time. You gotta miss a few episodes of Netflix and you gotta you know, cut out some time with, uh, with other things you might love. When was the last time I prepared specific scriptures or wrote an encouraging card to share something specific with someone I care about? That's intentional. And what have I learned recently about myself, about others, and about God from intentionally spending time with somebody new? New, new people. Someone you never had lunch with before. You know, we serve in this church in many ways. I'm really grateful. People that sing, people that usher, people that help us dig deeper, people that preach full-time. I appreciate all that. It's amazing. But if we're not having deep relationships with people, we're not going to grow. All those activities are just going to go around in a circle. Yeah. If we're not deep with God, deep with each other, and always trying to dig deeper into those relationships. You know, God has given us one life to live. And it's not going to last very long. We are surrounded here in the Dallas area with millions of people who increasingly live lonely and independent lives. If we become like them, we're no longer the salt of the earth. We cannot buy the lie that this world is trying to tell us. So this time we're going to prepare our hearts and minds for communion. The core of this discussion today is about intentional relationships, is the conviction that every person on this planet is a miracle from God. Every person we meet has good qualities we can learn from. And every person has also experienced suffering. 
It's often the things we have suffered or are currently suffering that draw us together. Jesus was the author and master of intentional relationships. The two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. Right? Jesus came to our world and he moved into the neighborhood with us so we could share our joys and share our suffering. He can relate to us on many different levels. As we take communion together, let's remember that we have a Savior who went far out of his way to have a relationship with us, even before we wanted to have one with him. Let's remember that he can relate to our suffering, that he loves us with an unconditional love that can overcome anything we're facing in the world. Let's pray together for our time in communion. Father God, thank you so much for touching our lives and letting each one of us experience a relationship with you. But Father, you are the great initiator. You are the author of unconditional love. You are our example to follow when we're trying to build relationships, Father. We thank you so much for the chance we have to speak with you, to learn from you, to imitate you. And as we take communion today and the bread and the cup, Please help us reflect on both of those, Father. Reflect on the day we decided to be your disciples and reflect on the blood that continues to wash away our sins and allow us to live a new life. Thank you so much, God, for having intentional relationships with each one of us. Please help us to imitate you. Please help us to respond to your love. And please help us to share what we have with the people around us. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.